Well, welcome everybody. We are really glad that you're here with us today. And if you're just tuning in, if you haven't been with us over the past several weeks, uh, we sort of made it our goal for the month of December as a church and individually. We said we want to make this or prepare to make this the absolute best Christmas we've ever had. And the reason we decided to do that is simple. I don't know about you, but my Christmases go pretty much the same every year. At the end of the Christmas season, my wife and I often will sort of sit down and have conversations where we're looking back over the Christmas season and what we did and how things went, and, and we'll sort of review all the places that we went and the gifts we gave our girls and, and the people we got to see and the food we got to eat and the lights we got to see and all that kind of stuff. And a lot of times when we look back on our Christmas, there'll be this nagging question. Did it matter? Did, did we do anything this year that, that made a difference for our family, for us, for anybody else outside of our family? In, in other words, we're, we're concerned with, hey, did we feel Christmas this year? Did, did, we, did we live out and, and, and recognize what this whole thing was really all about? And so what we said was, you know, to keep pe people like us new from having those kinds of conversations this year, we said we're going to make it our goal this year to, to think some new thoughts, to uh, come up with some new activities that you can do as individuals that it, and some things that we can do as a church community that when we add them to our Christmas tradition, we, we might look back at this Christmas and say to ourselves, you know what, that one did matter. That was the best Christmas we've ever had. And so, like I said, if you're just tuning into this, you haven't been around for the past few weeks, Here's what we decided to do to make this the best Christmas ever. We said we're going to do something in our community, which we, we do here every year. But we invited everybody to be a part first of something we call Christmas in Coweta. And I'm, I just, I don't, I'm not ashamed to say this. I'm going to brag on you guys as a church. This year, through Christmas in Coweta, we sponsored more than 500 children as a church. And we gave them gifts for Christmas and made their Christmas special and I just have to say, you guys outdid yourselves this year. Uh, the room where we have all the gifts throughout the week before we distributed them yesterday to the families was just packed full of amazing gifts. You guys did such a great job of blessing uh, these kids in our community. And then, as I said yesterday, we were able to distribute those gifts to those families, and they were so thankful. And, and I want to say on behalf of them and our church, we are so thankful for you and what you did and how you outdid yourself this year. Uh, through that program and so that's the first thing we did but we said we're not done yet that's not all we're going to do we're we decided to partner also with uh, an organization in our community called RIP Medical Debt and they told us that partnering with them we had the potential to raise money this year and eliminate four million dollars of medical debt among people in our community who are living at or below the poverty line and so uh, we invited everybody to get in on this and be a part of it and do something big and amazing in our community. And uh, for those of you who haven't taken part in that, you can still get in on this. There's a way you can do that on the screen. Uh, we've got a special website set up. It's called dosomething.church. Or if you're at ashleyparkchurch.com, just click on the Do Something page right there. And uh, we said if everybody in our church just gave thirty nine ninety five we would be able to reach that goal and eliminate $4 million of medical debt in our community. And uh, I'm happy to tell you, we are really, really close. I'm not going to tell you how close, 
But we are almost to our goal right now. And so I believe that by Christmas Eve, when we get together, uh, we're going to be able to tell you that we've exceeded our goal because I know that many of you are going to give today. Some of you are going to give again because you can do that. And uh, for those of you who have or will, thank you again for what you've done and what you will do. And uh, I just know that by, by this time tomorrow, uh, we will probably have reached or exceeded that goal. So we've done that together and made this a great Christmas. We've also decided, and this was a few weeks ago, we said, you know what, we want to commit to doing something special for people in our community who don't have a church home to celebrate Christmas. And so we said, we're going to invite everyone that we can think of. We're even going to invite strangers, and we're going to hold Christmas Eve services and invite them to come and experience Christmas at Community Christian at one of our campuses. And I'll just remind you, if you haven't done that yet, we still got two more days to go. You know, Tuesday is Christmas Eve, and uh, we'll be right back here in this room celebrating together, but you still have time to send that text or to uh, take one of those cards that you'll find in your cup holder today and uh, give those to people that you know or just people that you meet. Post it to social media, but whatever you decide to do, whatever method you choose, we're, we're excited and planning to have standing room only at all of our campuses because of uh, all the folks who are going to be coming and celebrating with us. And we're excited about it. I'm, I'm telling you, uh, we're still working on um, the plans that we have for Tuesday in that service. And I just tell you, you're going to love it. Your family's going to love it. Your friends that you invite, the strangers you invite, they're going to love it. It's going to make a, a, a great Christmas memory for all of us together. So uh, make sure you're here. Make sure you bring somebody with you and you invite them. And then this past week, if you were here last Sunday, we said, you know what? We want to give a present to our families and our friends that will make this the best Christmas ever. And that present we were going to give was our presence. The, the we talked about the value of being present with one another. You know, God came to be present with us in Jesus. And we want to do that in the lives of the people that we love. And we often forget that we're around these folks and we're just not present because we're so into our screens and our phones. And so you remember last week we challenged everybody to take a seven-day digital detox. And we did a step-by-step -step process where we pulled away from our devices, pulled away from those screens, and we just became more present with the people in our lives. And uh, I don't know if you tried it or if you were able to do it. Me and my family did. And uh, I I'll just be honest, it was tough. I mean, there were some days that it was challenging for all of us. And I will say this, I'll admit it. I think it was harder for us old folks, the mo mom and dad, than it was our teenagers. Um, but we did it, and it, it, was a, it was a blessing to us. And I know I've heard from some of you, it was a great week for you as well. Now today, here we are. It's the final Sunday before Christmas. And I want to talk to you about one more thing that I believe will make this your best Christmas ever. And it's really just a reminder. It's a reminder of something that makes not just Christmas, but our entire lives better. We say this often around here. Following Jesus makes life better, and it makes you better at life. This is one of those things that following Jesus and following his example just makes our lives better. But it's just a reminder, because the reason I say it's just a reminder is because you already know this. In fact, I've never met anybody who disagreed with this idea that Jesus gives us. The problem is we just forget it. Like a lot of things that are important in life, we just forget. And when we forget, we don't lean into the truth of this principle that I want to teach you. And when we don't lean into it, we don't experience the benefits of it. 
So here's the truth that I want, or the reminder that I want to share with you today, and it comes straight from the lips of Jesus. But now, before I tell you what it is, it's kind of a unique statement that Jesus made, because it's not found in any of the four biographies of Jesus that we have contained in our Bible, the four Gospels. If you're not a Bible person, we have four biographies of the life of Jesus written by eyewitnesses and the people who interviewed the eyewitnesses to the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And this statement that Jesus made is not found in any of those four books. It's found later in the scriptures, and it was passed along. It was obviously something that Jesus said because it got passed along from person to person to person until it just became an accepted thing that this is something that Jesus taught. It was something he went around saying, although it never really got written down until later in in the Bible. But it comes from a guy named Paul who was a later follower of Jesus, and he's talking to a group of his friends, and here's what he says. He says, you should remember the words of the Lord Jesus. And here they are. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Now, you probably heard that said, especially around Christmas time, but you probably heard that said your whole life. You just didn't know that Jesus is the one who started it. But Jesus was the first one to say that. There's another translation of this verse that I personally like better. Here's how it's written. It says, you're far happier giving than getting. I just like the wording of that. And even though I, I believe that that's true, I don't always live like it. And I bet you probably don't either. Again, we just forget about it. But I do know it's true. And I'll tell you how I know it's true. Because I've experienced it. And I bet you have too. In fact, I'll tell you about one of the, the moments in my life where I remember feeling this and experiencing this truth that, it is, that I'm happier giving than getting. This was probably the first time that it really hit me right in where I lived. I was in high school, and I was spending a lot of time around a ministry located in downtown Atlanta called Jesus Place. Now, Jesus Place is a ministry that, uh, that serves homeless men in downtown Atlanta, and uh, it's still in operation today. In fact, the, the guy who runs it was my roommate in college. He and I are friends, and, and he's still running that ministry today. And when I was in high school is when I began to interact with that ministry down there. And so basically Jesus Place, it, it, it works like this. Every Sunday, uh, they open up an old church building and they invite anyone to come in and people come in off the streets who have been living on the streets and they just have church. I mean, y- if you were to attend it, it, it looks pretty much like any traditional church service that you would go to anywhere else in this country, except for what happens after the service. They have a basement in the bottom of this church, and, and uh, in this basement is just this huge supply room filled with clothing and shoes and, and supplies and, and food and just anything and everything that someone might need who finds themselves living out on the streets or in a desperate uh, situation in, in the midst of poverty. And so uh, as the people come in and, and they have church, they, they're handed a needs list, and for those who need it, they fill out the list of things, and they say, what do you need to get you through this week? And they fill out that needs list. And then as they attend church, the, the, need, the, the lists are organized. And then after the church service is over, a team of volunteers who's there, we take the list and we go downstairs and we fill up the needs list as much as we possibly can. And then we deliver the goods to them after church. Now, after I'd been serving at Jesus Place for a little while, I started to get to know some of the homeless guys that would come in uh, each Sunday. And I heard their stories and I, and, I, and I hear about where they came from and what led them into that situation and and, and, and I got to know a lot of these guys on a personal level. And one thing I learned real quickly is that almost every single one of them was desperate to find a job. 
I mean, they were constantly looking for work. They weren't just satisfied with where they were. They weren't looking for handouts. They wanted to work and earn to, to make their living. And the simplest way for them to find work was to head down to what they called the labor pool. It was just a place that they would go, and there were employers that would show up each day. And if there was a job for the day or a job for the week or sometimes a job that would last for a few months from a construction company or, uh, or some other group that was doing some work around town, they would stop by the labor pool and they would hire these guys. But there was always one requirement for getting a job when you stood at the labor pool, and that was shoes. If you didn't have proper shoes, mainly work boots, you didn't work. You didn't get a job for that week. And so what happened was the, the, having work boots became synonymous with having enough food to eat that week or having a place that you might be able to to put yourself up for a week and stay in and out of in out of the cold and so these guys were just desperate to have shoes and to have these work boots so there was this one gentleman that i got to know there and i, and I wish i could remember his name i don't remember his name but every week he came in and and he was about a size nine or ten boot and he would write on his needs list every every week i need a size 10 boot i need a size 10 boot and I always wound up with his list because I got to know the guy and I enjoyed just talking to him as I would interact with him and I heard his story and how he, how he was doing and we just, we, we had a relationship. But for whatever reason, during the months that I got to know this guy, we didn't have any work boots. We hadn't had any donated and when they did come in, they just went out so fast because as you can imagine, they were a really hot item. And every week he'd show up and he'd write the same thing on his needs list and I'd have to come back and say, man, I'm sorry, we don't have any boots. Come back next week, hopefully we'll get them in. And every time I could just see it in his face, he was heartbroken because it was one more week on the street, one more week struggling for food, one more week without a job. And it would just kill me every week to not be able to give him those boots. Well, one week I show up and we're organizing this stuff down in the basement, the team there. And I opened up a box that had come in that week. And in that box was a size 10 pair of work boots. And these were some nice boots. They were in great condition. And I thought to myself, man, these are going to go fast. I mean, the first guy who asked for size 10 work boots, they're getting these boots. And I knew my friend was going to do that that week. He was going to ask for those boots. And I, I don't know if it was against the rules. I didn't care at the time. It probably was. I'll tell you what I did. I got those boots. <laughs> I, I didn't steal them. I took them, okay? I just took them from the box, and while nobody was looking, I went to the corner of the basement where nobody ever went behind some boxes that nobody ever looked in, and I hid those boots. And so we come upstairs, and we went to church that Sunday, and sure enough, my friend comes walking in. He gets his need list, and sure enough, he writes down size 10 boots just like every other week, and I was so excited. I waited through that whole church service, and I went straight to the needs list as soon as it was over. I rummaged through that, that pile of lists, and I found his name, and I grabbed his list, and I went downstairs. I went straight for that corner where I hid those boots, and I grabbed them. I filled up the rest of his bag of the things that he needed that week, and I walked up the stairs, and the stairs were in an area where, you know, they were like at the, at the back of the platform of the church, and they would all sit in, in the pews, and as I'm coming up the stairs, I, I caught his eye, and he caught mine. He knew I was bringing his stuff to him that week, 
And as soon as I got to the top of those stairs, I didn't even put the boots into a bag. I was just too excited. I just walked up the stairs, and I held up that pair of work boots. And I made eye contact with this guy, and he just lit up like a Christmas tree. And it was, it was just this amazing moment where he knew when he saw me coming across that church building, I'm going to work this week. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have enough to get by this week. I'm going to be able to take care of myself this week. And I sat there with him, and we talked about it. And he just kept saying that over and over. Man, I'm getting a job this week. I'm getting a job. He tried on those boots, and he walked out with those boots on that Sunday morning. And even now, I'm, as I'm telling you, it's, it's an emotional thing for me. I mean, it was as if I'd handed this guy a million bucks. And for me, it was even greater than that. Because that day, I'll just tell you, I, I knew that what Jesus said was true. His words rang truer to me than they ever had. I was so much happier that day giving than I'd ever been with anything that I had received. And I just tell you, the more that I live and the more that I grow up, so to speak, the more I understand that really is true. Giving fills the heart with more joy than receiving. I once read a book by this really brilliant author. His name is Dallas Willard, and he, he talks about the idea that God is the most joyful being in the entire universe. Because he says if God is truly perfect, then God would also be perfectly joyful. But now, see, that's not the way most of us think about God usually, is it? Most of us think about a God who, who's really disappointed in us, and he's, he's kind of ticked off at who we are and what we do, and, and he's just kind of up there just just. He loves us, but he's, he's doing it through gritted teeth. He, he's not, he doesn't really like us all that much. And he's certainly not very joyful when it comes down to it. He's, he's just not that kind of a God. But that's not true. God is endlessly joyful. You ever wondered why? Now think about it. All God does all day long is one thing, because it's all that he can do. It's give. God's doing nothing but giving all the time because everything that you've ever had in your life was a gift from God. Think about it. Every molecule you've ever breathed of oxygen to the body that you inhabit right now, every cell that's in your body, it was a gift from God. Every moment in time, every second you've been alive was a gift from God. Every bite of food, every drink of water that quenched your thirst was a gift from God. Every person you've ever known, every, every joyful moment that you've ever experienced in this life was a gift from God. It was all a gift from God. And then God chose to be a human being. It's what we celebrate every Christmas. God came into this world, Jesus Christ. He experienced the life that you and I live. And every single moment of his life was nothing but a gift from his birth in the manger all the way to his death on the cross. He was giving. Every miracle he ever performed, he was constantly giving. Every word he ever spoke that gives us a, a better way to live, it was all a gift. And the whole time, he was constantly joyful because he was constantly giving. Even that moment when Jesus hung on the cross. You know what the scriptures tell us? Look at this, Hebrews chapter 12. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross. See, even in his death, Jesus experienced the truth that he had been telling his followers all along. You are far more joyful. You are far happier giving than you are receiving. For God so loved the world that he what? He gave his only 
son. And again, a lot of us just think of God as he gave Jesus, but he did it with a frown on his face. Or he did it out of obligation. Or he did it out of disappointment. And he's sitting up there with his arms folded. He's got a scowl on his face. He's got a grudge against us. And he resents us for having given this gift. That is not who God is. Nothing could be further from the truth. God gave Jesus and every other gift that he's ever given you and me because he loves you. And the gifts God gives us, they don't make him angry. They don't lead him to resentment. They constantly fill him with perfect joy. And you and I, we are never more like God than when we are giving. And when we do give, we experience a small taste of the joy that fills the heart of God when we become like he is, when we become givers instead of just receivers. And when I say givers, I don't mean something huge and expensive and elaborate and extravagant. That's not it at all. It's not about the amount. It's about the attitude. It's about the mindset that we walk around with. There's a story in the Bible that reminds me of this. It's a story of two of Jesus' closest followers, Peter and, and John. Peter and John had spent their, their lives following Jesus the, the, the last three years of their life. They had, they had seen everywhere he had been. They had witnessed his death and his resurrection. And Jesus had told them after the resurrection, he said, I want you to go and spread the news, spread the good news to everybody that God has offered life to every single person who wants it. Life everlasting, life abundant. And so they went and they, they spread the gospel, the good news, to everybody they came in contact with. And it was just a few weeks after Jesus had resurrected. And he had given them the ability to do some of the miracles that Jesus had the ability to do when he was here with them. And so one day, they're heading into the temple. It's their daily sort of habit. And they're going to go in there and pray. And they spot this man, and he's lying on the street outside the temple. He can't walk. He's a crippled guy, and he's begging for money. And Peter sees him, and he makes eye contact with the guy. And I love what Peter says to him. Look at what he says. He said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. And the next thing you know, this man who'd been crippled from birth, never taken a step in his life, is up walking and running through the streets and praising God for what had happened to him. And even though it's hard to see because there's this big miracle taking place in the midst of this story, it's important to hear Peter's words. And it's important to look into Peter's heart and his attitude. Peter says, look, man, I, I don't have a whole lot of money right now. In fact, I don't have any money on me, and I know that's what you're here looking for. But I just need you to know I spent the last three years with a man who taught me the joy of giving. So that's what I'm going to do for you. Here's what I have. What I have, I'm going to give to you. It was about this time last year, Christmas time last year, my wife and I were out shopping. We were actually out at Ashley Park, and we were walking down the sidewalk in front of Barnes & Noble, right where their coffee shop is, where they've got those tables out on the sidewalk. And as we walked across the sidewalk, there was a man seated in one of those tables, and I noticed he had on a jacket and a hat. Uh, he was identifying himself as a veteran. And uh, he looked like he was kind of struggling, like maybe he had, he had had some health problems, and he rounds up having a conversation with me he struck up this conversation and he told me he said i just got done at the va clinic i'm having some health problems and he, he told me all about that and told me about the day that he had had and he said that he he was waiting on someone to come pick him up his ride was was pretty late he'd been there for more than an hour and on this particular day it was really really cold outside and he told me he said i said I, and i asked him i said are you sure your ride's coming you've been here a long time you're out here in the cold you know do you need do you need a ride or do you need something? And he said, well, 
He said, honestly, what I'd really love to have is, is, a, is a hot cup of coffee. He said, I don't have any cash on me. And I thought to myself, I can do that. I mean, it's a, it's a cup of coffee. So I told the guy, I said, sit right where you're at, man. And I walked into the coffee shop and went and got the biggest cup of coffee they had. And I paid for it and brought him out some uh, creamers and sugar and brought it out to him. And, and this guy, was just he just couldn't stop thanking me. He was so thankful to have a hot cup of coffee while he was sitting out there waiting on his ride. And I don't tell you that story because it's a big deal that I did it because it's not. It was, it was nothing. It was five bucks, less than that. I mean, anybody could have done that. But you know what's significant? Here I am, it's a year later, and I'm telling you about it. And I've, I've got joy from it still today. I didn't do anything for this guy that anybody else could have done for him. But it brings me joy to know that on that day I was able to help this guy out. And it just once again reinforces this, this whole thing of, you know, even if it's not much to me, I, I didn't have very much at the time. But it brought me more joy that Christmas than pretty much anything else did. In fact, I, I can't tell you hardly anything I got for Christmas last year. But I can tell you about that. So I tell you all that stuff to say this. Here's our thought for this week that we believe, if you participated in it, might help you make this the best Christmas ever. What if, what if, from right now until New Year's, New Year's Day, what about a week to ten days, right? What if we all just walked around and we just had the thought from Jesus, you know what, it is better to give than it is to receive. I'm way far happier when I'm giving than when I'm receiving. And if just like Peter, we would walk around with this attitude and say, you know what, I may not have a whole lot on me right now, but what I have, I'm going to give. So here's my suggestion. This is a challenge for all of us, and any of us can do this. Starting today or maybe tomorrow, I want to challenge you to, to just find some cash somewhere around your, your world. If you need to go to an ATM, grab some cash out, and I just want you to put it in your purse, put it in your wallet, put it in your pocket, whatever it is, wherever it is that you keep money, and just walk around with it with the sole intention, I'm going to give this away. What I have, I'm going to give because I'm far happier giving than when I'm receiving. And listen, it has nothing to do with the amount. For you, it might be five bucks. You just want to walk around with five bucks. That's okay. Maybe you want to do more than that. Maybe you'd say, you know, I'm going I'm I'm to go farther than that. I'm going to walk around with $100 in my pocket with the intention of I'm going to give because it's better if I do that. And you just walk around with that attitude. And then maybe you just want to start praying, God, is there somebody that you want me to bless today? Is there some situation that you want me to bring a little light to? And just show me what that might be. And just see if God will give you an opportunity and bring someone to your mind or, or put you in the middle of a situation where you will just be able to give. And then just see if Jesus wasn't right. See if Jesus wasn't right when he said you're happier giving than receiving. And you say, well, what's some ideas for what could I do? I'll give you a couple ideas. I mean... You're standing in line at the grocery store, and somebody behind you is about to pay for something. You just hand the, hand the money to the cashier and say, I got this one, or I'm going to pay for part of it. Let's say you're at a restaurant. How about you pick out a random family sitting across the restaurant, and you just tell the server, hey, I want their bill, and I'm going to pay for it. And then just sit there and watch while the server tells them. Don't let them know who you are. And you just watch the reaction and the way that you bless that family. Or how about this? Leave a huge tip for your server before you leave. And if you want to have a lot of fun, 
Just stand outside or stand somewhere in a distance and watch when your server comes back to find this ridiculously big tip that you left and watch when they find it. How about this? Just listen for conversation of the people around you. I mean, sometimes you, you'll hear stories or you'll hear something that will trigger this idea in, your, in you or it will just trigger a chance for you to just, just give and to bless that person. And then even if you don't even know that person, just interrupt the conversation and say, hey, look, I, I just overheard what you said, and I just want you to know, God's really blessed me, and, and I've got a little bit, and I just want to bless you. And so I just want to give because that's what God's done for me. And then just whatever you have, just give it. Maybe you're inspired and you're excited and you want to do something big. Here's a big one. Between now and Christmas Day, head down to Walmart, go to the layout, layaway counter, and ask them if they've got an account still on file that's not paid off. It has some kids' toys in it. And you just pay it off. Better yet, listen as they call the family and tell them that somebody just paid off their layaway account for Christmas. See, I'm telling you, when, when, when we do this, we'll experience the truth of what Jesus said. It is far better to give than to receive. And if you can, I want to challenge you to do it in secret. Don't always let the person know it's you doing the giving. Now, sometimes I know that that can't be helped in certain situations. I get that. But Jesus said this. Look at what Jesus said. He said, when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Now, I used to read that statement, and I used to think Jesus was just talking about the reward that we all are going to get in heaven. In fact, I imagine this scenario like we're all going to get up to heaven and Jesus is going to have people on one side who gave in secret and they're going to get a really big reward and all the rest of us who didn't give in secret, we're going to get less of a reward. But the more I get to know Jesus and what he taught, I don't think that's what he was talking about at all. I think what Jesus is saying here is that when you give and people know about it, there's a certain kind of reward that comes from that. There's a certain kind of recognition that we all get from that. And mostly it's the reward that the person gives to us, the gratitude or the excitement that they give to us. On the other hand, when no one knows what you've done except you and God, I believe Jesus is saying there's another kind of reward that comes into play, and it's even better. Because there's something special and significant that happens on the inside of you when it's just you and God who knows about it. And I think it has something to do with that joy that I just told you about. In some special way, we get to share with God the kind of joy that God has when he gives to us. We experience a little taste of what it's like for God when we give in secret. So I just want to challenge us all for, for this next little run till the first of the year. When you can, give that way. Give like God does and experience the reward that only he can give. But however you choose to do it, just live for the next week or so with that thought on your mind and on your heart of what Jesus said. I'm happier giving than getting. And then whenever you can, whatever you can, it doesn't even matter. Just give like he does. And I'll be willing to bet whatever amount you give away, you will walk away with more joy than you had before you gave it. And I'll also bet you'll be right here next year, Christmas time 2020, and you'll be telling that story because you'll know for sure. What Jesus said is true. It's far happier giving than getting. And you'll look back on this Christmas and you'll say, you know what? I think that just made it one of my best Christmases ever. Let's bow for prayer.
God, thank you for being who you are, a God who is nothing but giving towards us. God, help us to feel and understand the truth of that, what you said, that it is far better to give than to receive. Let us experience the joy that only comes from that. I pray that we would be those kind of people, that kind of church, as we walk around our communities for these next few days and as we go through the remainder of this Christmas season. Thank you for the gift of Jesus that we celebrate this time of year. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, guys, we'll see you uh, in two days, Tuesday night, Christmas Eve. Make sure you be here for the best Christmas ever. See you then.